Welcome, I'm Laura Mayer, and I'm so happy to have you join me today on the podcast. I am loving this new podcasting journey. Y'all, this is so stinking fun. My favorite thing is teaching people to walk in the mental and emotional freedom that Jesus provides, and this podcast has already proven to be a great way to do just that. So, This will probably be our last week to discuss fear. We've done a three-part series discussing the different components of fear, uncovering fear's motives, how to vaccinate yourself against fear so that fear is not your first response to things. But there was one more truth I wanted to impart to you today, and to do so, I'm going to start this podcast with with the punchline that would normally come at the end of the podcast, but we're going to go and start off with it, and then we'll circle back around, and that punchline is this. Fear is a spiritual force that draws things to you the same way that faith is a spiritual force that draws things to you. Okay, so now let's dig right in. First, I'm going to start with a question. Or actually, I'm going to start with pretending that you're asking me a question. So just follow along. And here's your question. You're saying to me, Laura, why does it even matter? If I have a little bit of fear, who cares? Worrying just runs in my family. I can't help it. It's just who I am. What does it really hurt? Okay, well, first of all, things like that don't run in families. Fear, anger, jealousy, all of that stuff that happens in our soulish realm is not inheritable. It is, it's learned behavior. So now I'm going to answer your pretend question with another question. And that question back to you after you asking, why does it even matter? Why is fear such a big deal if I have a little bit of it? So my question back to you is, why is faith so important? What does faith do anyway? Because in this podcast, we're going to explore how faith and fear are opposing forces. Now, if you listen to episode one, you will remember that I stated that fear and faith are not opposites, that actually the opposite of fear is love. But our faith grows when we have a revelation of how much God loves us. And so for the purpose of this podcast, we're going to show the opposing force between fear and faith. But just know that the faith that I'm talking about is, if you track it back, is rooted in how much God loves you. Okay, so why is faith such a big deal? I think in order to understand why fear is a big deal, you first have to start here. So If you are a born-again Christian, you know that it's because of your faith that you received salvation. Your faith did that. Your faith is what connected you with what God had made available to you through the sacrifice of Jesus. Faith is powerful. If you're born again, you believe Galatians 3, 26, that says that it's through faith that you were made a child of God and that you were baptized into Christ. You also believe Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 that says that if you believe in your heart, that's talking faith, and confess with your mouth that you will be saved. That is what you believe in your heart, and it is what justified you before God. That's what Romans 10, 9 and 10 says. So as born-again believers, we believe that our faith is powerful. So let's take it a step further. Even after you have received salvation— when you are just going about and doing your life. So let's say you're already a believer. Well, then Mark 11 verses 22, 23, and 24 starts off by saying, have faith in God. 
And then it goes on to say, if you say to this mountain, move, and if you don't doubt it in your heart, but you believe, that's faith, that what you say will happen, it will be done for you. So it could be said that we build the world we live in by what we believe. And this is true for two separate reasons. Number one, just in a natural, in our soulish realm, uh, you will act out what you believe about yourself. Let's just, let's just say that, just about ourselves. That's how you're designed to work. You're designed for your body to follow what your heart believes. If you believe, for example, that you're not smart enough to attend college, you will probably never even attempt enrolling in college. Because what you believe about yourself, whether it's true or not, will be what your body follows through with. You'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy of what you believe. So my previous statement that you build the world you live in by what you believe is true for a second reason. Yes, in our soulish realm, we will act out what we believe in our heart. But spiritually, this is true for this reason. You frame the world you live in by what you believe because faith is a spiritual, creative tool. Faith is powerful. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that faith is the substance. Let's call it the building blocks, the ingredients of things that you hope for and the evidence of things not seen. So again, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance. It is the building blocks of things that you hope for in your life. And it is the evidence of things not seen. I want to tell you a story here that is just so cool. And it can only be explained by, but God. I love when there's things going on in life that you can only explain, but God. But God intervened. But God's faithfulness was true. Several years ago, my husband was in a job that was causing him to work 60 and 70 hours a week. It's a very high-stress job and um, something that we were praying for a change. We were praying for him to be able to be home with family more, and we also needed um, just a change as far as pay and benefits and things like that. And so we had been asking God and praying for a job for a long time. But every time we would think about that new job, because of the stress and strain that we were, you know, our current situation put us in, it was really hard to stay in faith about it because fear was screaming so loud. This high stress job, um, he was very unappreciated and um, it was just, there was a lot of turnover in, in this particular company. So a lot of people would come in just long enough to leave. It was just not a very pleasant work environment to be in. So we were just believing God. We were trusting Him. At least that's what we said we were doing. But the rest of the time, out of our mouth was saying, well, you know, God, we're trusting you for another job. But in our hearts and in our heads, we were worrying. We were trying to figure it all out ourselves. We were trying to, by our own strength, find the right connections, talk to the right people, fill out enough resumes, really trying to do a lot of things in our own strength. Really, I think if you were to ask us, and if we were honest, I don't think we were really in faith. I think we, because you can't be in faith and trying to work it all up on your own strength at the same time. Because faith is a rest. Faith is you trusting God to take care of it. Now, it, it's not you not doing anything. 
but it's you doing things the way the Word says and getting the Word out of your mouth about the situation and actively getting out of your mouth what you believe God is working on. And that gives Him something to work with. It gives Him the building blocks to do something with. Faith is a substance that gives God something to work with in your life. And so He wants you to have faith. He's saying, give me something to work with. Well, after several months of that and and no change coming, our pastor preached a message about just having faith in God and trusting in God's character. And he was teaching out of the story of Abraham and Sarah and how God had promised them a child. And a key verse in that story is when the Bible says that Abraham counted God faithful. And we realized we had not been doing that. We had been trying to be faithful on our own. We had put a lot of effort into the works side of believing God. You know, quoting scripture enough, getting it out of our mouth enough, but at the same time just worrying. And that that really let us know that our faith was not placed in God's character or we wouldn't be worrying. So we made it a point that every time we brought up the conversation of Brian's new job, that we would get out of our mouth, but God, we count you faithful. And that seemed to supersede every other thought of fear that was trying to come at us. So we refused to let our brains go down that fear path by simply putting our faith back into God's character. We had been misjudging his character. We had began to wonder, God, why are you taking so long? And so we weren't able to be in faith. Our fear was sabotaging our faith. But when we got our focus over on the character of God and just saying, but God, we just count you faithful. As if to say, no matter how long this takes or what it takes to get from A to Z, we know we're getting there because you're faithful and because you are good. You guys, that started the wheels in motion. It gave God something to work with on our behalf. Within just a couple of weeks, and the story takes longer than I have to share here, but Brian received a job that he never even applied for never interviewed for, and was not even qualified for. But God moved him there. And you know what? It was so interesting that once he got into that new position, he found out he did have a lot of natural aptitude for that position. See, God knew all along. And he had already gone ahead of us and prepared a place for Brian that had the hours we were believing for, the hours we needed for the health of our family and the benefits that we were believing him for because we simply counted him faithful, because we squelched the fear and instead just trusted God and said, God, we count you faithful. It gave God something to work with. Faith became the substance of things that we were hoping for and it showed up as evidence of things that previously had not even been seen. Faith brings about what you're dreaming of. But you need to ask yourself, are they hope-filled dreams or are they fear-filled nightmares? It's still belief in one direction or the other. Both are faith just in opposite directions. It could be said that faith is expecting that what God promises will come true or that fear is expecting that what the devil threatens will come true. Who is your faith placed in? Fear is simply faith, but in the wrong direction. You guys, it matters. It matters where you place your faith. Because faith opens the legal door for God to work in your life. 
just as fear opens the legal door for the devil to work in your life. What you believe gives legal right in the spirit realm to one party or the other. And that's why it is so vitally important to cut off fear's access to your life. And here's why I believe this to be true. Let's go to the scripture. Let's not just take something at face value or because it sounds right or sounds good. Let's dive in and see what scripture says. You know, many times in the Bible, when an angel appears to someone, the first thing that they say is fear not. Actually, it's been said that the words fear not is in the Bible 365 times, just enough for at least once a day for us to be told to fear not. Why did God spend that much time sending that message across if it wasn't vitally important? You know, I believe that, yes, when those angels would appear and at first say fear not, it's because, obviously, these people had never seen angels before and might be a little afraid at something they're not familiar with. So, yes, it's like the angel saying, you know, hey, I'm coming to bring you peace. But I think on the other side, it's these angels also saying, because every time they would come, it's because they were letting that person know of something that God was wanting to do in the earth through them. God was always making an announcement through his messenger angels of, hey, this is what I'm going to do in the earth. And I think it's interesting that one of the first thing the, things the angels would say is fear not. Don't let fear Come in and mess up what God is trying to do. As if to say, this message I'm bringing to you is going to take some faith. It's going to take you believing what God is promising over what the circumstances may be threatening. Stay on the side of faith. Don't cross lanes into the side of fear. Stay in faith. Don't mess up what God is wanting to do through your life. Also, we see that Jesus in Mark chapter 5, verses 35, when Jesus went to heal the ruler's daughter, Jairus's daughter, we see in verse 35 that while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? See, Jairus had come to find Jesus to say, my daughter is deathly sick. But verse 36 says what Jesus did. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. I have a note in my Bible right here that says, when bad news comes, hold your position. Be careful what you let in to your ears. Jesus then follows Jairus to his house, and it says in verse 37, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came into the house of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw the commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they all laughed at him. And after he put them all out, I could just see Jesus saying, y'all get, get out of here. Take your drama with you, your commotion and your wailing. You're not helping the situation. But I think more than that, he was driving fear and unbelief out of the room because it would try to sabotage the faith that would need, be needed to raise this girl from the dead. Yes, Jesus also had to operate in faith. He was all God and all man. And the Bible says that after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, I can't pronounce this, you guys, but it means... Little girl, 
I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. So Jesus had to drive out those that would be in doubt and unbelief out of the room. Those that were wailing, those that were causing the commotion, those that were in mourning, those that had fully given in to what fear was saying was true, which is this girl is dead. And I also think it's interesting that it says that he did, that Jesus did not allow anyone to follow him except for, and he lists out three of his disciples. So that must mean there were some disciples that he did not allow to come with him. Could it be that he brought the ones who would add their faith in with his? He left the ones out who wouldn't be able to be in faith with him. You know, you guys, it is so important that we pump our hearts full of faith, just like I discussed in episode two of this podcast, so that faith is your first response when things come. Another story in the Bible that I believe is one of the most obvious examples of fear being so, so dangerous is in the book of Job. Many of us are familiar with this story, and many of us have questioned and said, God, you know, why is it that you would allow Satan to destroy so many things in Job's life? Well, as I was pondering on this topic of what God allows and doesn't allow through the New Testament lenses of John 10, 10, which says that it's the thief that comes to steal, kill and destroy, but that Jesus comes to bring life and life more abundantly. And, you know, it's very important that when we read the Old Testament, that we are aware that we're reading the old legal system that was in place before Jesus came and his blood provided for us what was needed to connect us back to God and to be free from the old legal system of sin and death and destruction. The book of Job takes place under the old legal system. But as I was pondering this question of what, you know, what does God allow and not allow through John 10, 10, I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Laura, I have to allow what you allow. I have even now in this New Testament era, this new covenant era, it is so vitally important that we choose to operate in faith and not in fear. Even to be born again, the Bible is clear that God is willing that no man should perish and that he sent Jesus to save the whole world. But will the whole world be saved? No, because he needs our cooperation. He needs our faith to accept the salvation that he provided. The same is true with salvation in other areas. You know, that word salvation is the Greek word sozo, which means wholeness and healing and nothing missing and nothing broken. We receive those things in our life the same way through what we believe. So in the book of Job, you see in chapter 3, verse 25, a clue to why Satan was allowed to steal, kill, and destroy in Job's life. In verse 25, it says that the thing that Job feared the most had come upon him. The thing that he had spent time fearing and dwelling on and hoping would never happen is the very thing that came upon him, and it was the destruction of his family. And we see this because in chapter 1, the very first part of the entire book of Job, we see a picture of Job's children. In chapter 1, verse 4, it says that his sons used to take turns holding feast in their home, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. 
So when you study that out, you can actually see that his children were not faithful to the Lord the way that Job was. Job had not raised them to follow in his footsteps. Instead, out of fear, his kids would go and do whatever they wanted. The partying, worshiping the false gods, partying and drunkenness and orgies were things that were done to appease the gods and that his children would participate in those things. So on a regular basis, Job would go and send for them and purify them according to the to the rituals for purification, and that it was his regular custom to be afraid for his children. So it was his regular custom to be afraid for his children for the sin and debauchery that they were in. I truly believe that Job probably was a nervous wreck most of the time. He was so filled with fear over his children that that is what opened door for the devil to have access to come in and still kill and destroy in his life. But God is faithful. And because of his goodness and Job keeping his heart turned towards the Lord, God was able to restore everything that Satan had sent and actually restored it greater than what Satan had stolen in the first place. So God is a just God, and he abides by his own legal system. So it goes back to saying that fear is a spiritual force that draws things to us, or actually it could even be said that keeps things from us. The same way that faith is a spiritual force that draws things to us. So what do you do if you're ruled by fear? What do you do is if you're listening to this and you say, gosh, Laura, this is me. I've got so much fear. I came from a family of worriers, and this is just something I've always done in my life. How do I change the habit? Well, I've got good news for you today. It doesn't matter. If you are a champion worrier, you can turn this around. Romans 10 verse 17 that says that faith comes by hearing in hearing the word of God. The reverse of this is also true, that fear comes by hearing and meditating on the negative report. So what do you do if you're ruled by fear? You change what you're feeding yourself. You start feeding yourself the things that are going to feed your faith, and that is the Word of God. Not somebody else's testimony, not somebody else's story. All of those things can be an encouragement to our faith. Just like when you hear of somebody else's diet success story, it could be an encouragement to your diet journey, but the only way that you're going to see benefits and, you know, a change in your own body is changing what you put in your own self. So their testimony of what they eat does not affect your body. It encourages you, but you have to be the one to change what you put in your body. So Feed your faith and feed it the Word of God. Get into your Bible on a daily basis. I love to even read my Bible out loud. I think it's so good for me to be able to not only hear it in my own ears, but speak it out of my own mouth. And it does so much to build up the strength of my spirit, man. And it feeds my faith. And likewise, I have to starve the fear. I have to turn off the things or turn off the people or walk out of rooms when people are trying to feed me the opposite of what God says about my situation. I want to leave you with this story. And I love this story. I, I am such a visual person. And I want to leave you with this story before we close today. That's the story of two dogs that I want to lead you. 
I want to leave you with a story. And that's the story of two dogs that were owned by a grandfather who was a dog fighter. Now, let me go ahead and say right here, I am not condoning dog fighting. But this is a really old story and it has a very important truth. So just take the truth and don't get upset at the analogy because I think it's going to help drive some some really good things home to your heart. So there was a grandfather that owned two dogs and when he would use them for dog fighting, he made a lot of money. One week he would use one dog and the dog would lose terribly. And so then the next week, when everyone was betting on which dog was going to win, of course they had seen this dog lose terribly the week before, and they would all put their money on him losing again. But this week, he would win. And that would go on and on for weeks to where even if a dog had previously lost, the grandfather would choose to fight him again the following week, and he would win. And the grandfather ended up making a lot of money this way. So one day the grandson asked the grandfather and said, how is it that you always seem to know which dog is going to win? And the grandfather said, well, that's easy. The one that I feed. What a powerful story. And again, dog fighting is super bad and I'm not condoning it at all. But what a powerful story to illustrate that whatever you feed in your life is what will win. So today, let's choose to be powerful and not pitiful. Let's choose to feed our faith and never feed our fears. Let's put our belief in God's promises over Satan's threats. And let's remember what a good friend of mine says, that whatever it is that's facing us today, that Jesus loves us more than that hates us. And let's be overcomers in this life. Thank you for joining me today for this week's podcast. Meet me here next week where we will continue to learn that being His means being free.